0: Hello, and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, November 2nd of 2021. This is episode number 123. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going?
1: Oh, uh, Rod, what <laughs> what a game. What a week. Uh, the You know, to top it off, there's no flurries in the air tonight. Uh, we're in early November, and the weather's turning to shit. And the football teams turning into shit. Um, we, we got we got a lot to talk about tonight, don't we?
0: Uh, we do. Yeah, I saw our weather forecast. It's getting down to like 28 or something tonight. Yeah, I'm not not real pleased with any of it. So, uh, <laughs> joining us tonight is uh, Mike Pistone. Mike, uh, Mike, you're in D C., but I guess you're uh, you actually live pretty close to me. So, uh, so it's good to talk to you. How are things going?
2: Well. Good to talk to you guys not the not the best week, but uh, I, I you know was was mostly dealing with it and processing the Steelers game and then you know everything kind of flared back up today with more Brown's drama. but other than that, I guess i'm I'm doing pretty good.
0: Excellent, excellent. So to help us along, I, I understand we've all brought beverages tonight um, under the circumstances. Uh, let's talk about our blitz beverages and Mike, you're the guest, we're gonna let you go first. Uh, tell, tell us what you're drinking tonight.
2: All right, um, well, I'm out of town, so I, I walked next door to the hotel, to the uh, Whole Foods, and got a uh, Japanese Sapporo, and then uh, my backup is a Stella that they were actually selling downstairs in the hotel. Um, so those are those are my two options tonight, and I'm starting with the uh, the Japanese one first.
0: Nice, nice. I've, I think I've had that, but it's been a long time. So it's is that something you've had good before?
2: So um, okay. I, I think I've had it draft before, uh, but everything else that they had there was either in uh, by the 6 or 12 pack and didn't look that great or uh, <laughs> were just kind of things I could have gotten at home. So this was something a little different. I hadn't seen one around for a while, so I figured this was uh, a good route to go and give it a shot.
0: That's cool. And uh, Stella's not, not a bad backup either. So
2: No, no. So I figured if, if this didn't pan out or didn't taste like I remembered, then that would uh, I could just fall back to that one if I had to. Yeah.
0: And, and in case people don't know, it, if you haven't been to Whole Foods to check out their beer selection, they got a pretty nice beer selection. Uh, just, you know, if, if you're looking for someplace, if you don't have anything else by you man, go into Whole Foods, it's, you know, it, it's a pretty good selection in there. You know, it, it's it's not going to be as great as, you know, some other uh, beer stores or anything, but it's a pretty good selection. So, anyways, um, Jeff, what are, you, what are you drinking tonight?
1: Well, as promised, Rod, I'm um, am, am drinking one of the other beers that our cousins brought from milwaukee a few weeks ago Ah, um so this one is from milwaukee brewing company and it's called louis demise um Mm. louis demise is a burpee i mean excuse me hoppy amber ale um like five and a half percent. Um, the story behind Louis' demise is uh, Louis was a Browns fan and he criticized the quarterback. No, no, wait it's, uh That's not true. <laughs> the real story is um, – You heard me going Louis, Darcy, man. This, this, this is really a good story, though. Um, Louis was one of the brewers, I guess, originally, and he was, he was hanging out in the bar and he was actually hitting on another guy's wife. And the guy hit him over the head with his – Beer mug and killed him. So Louis kind of become the the uh, I don't know mascot of this company. Um, he's some somebody's great uncle now, um, and they've they've actually created a couple of other uh, Louis type beers. They've got one called Louis Weekend, um, which is like a herb herby, you know uh, uh, spice type of uh ale um and then they've also got one called uh louis resurrection which i definitely have to look for this is this is basically taking louis demise and barrel aging it in whiskey barrels and it takes the alcohol content up to 10 and percent so okay. you know that that's something to look forward to if i ever get to wisconsin but uh, anyway that's the, you know interesting story but um i've got another one to still that they brought me to, to give a shot to. But, you know, all these beers I think they brought are, are are pretty popular in Wisconsin as just, you know, summer drinking beers, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So we don't actually know when Louis met his demise then, I guess. It was in
1: 1886, actually. But. Yeah, so I long mean, before a, the advent of pro football.
0: But was it a Friday, a Saturday? Because I'm thinking about Louis' weekend. <laughs> um just you know that beer and yeah. if that's a good name or not so anyways um guys i'm I'm drinking uh, my last hop and frog mango turbo shandy citrus ale it's a mouthful but it's um I've, I've had this on the show before and uh, it's uh it, it's pretty good it's it's one of these that doesn't really taste a whole lot like beer but it's um it's kind of smooth drinking it's got a little bit of alcohol I think it's like seven percent or something so um, tastes pretty good. It goes down smooth, and um, I'll probably have it gone pretty soon. So, anyways, I thought that was pretty good segment, guys. Nice job. So, awesome. <laughs> so, so, Mike, let's uh, let's hear about your journey as a Browns fan. Just kind of how you became a Browns fan, and, uh, and I know you said you have relatives up in Cleveland, so I imagine that plays into it. But um, just going to give you the floor and let you talk about that for a few minutes.
2: Yeah. Um, well, so I mean, basically, I'm a Browns fan from from birth. I was born in the city of Cleveland. Um, entire family, both mom and dad side, um, lived in Cleveland, still live in the area. Um, so you know, my my Browns, I, 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 my children are now Browns fans, and I've kind of, you know, brought that upon them. Um, but. Um, You either inherit it or, you know, usually kind of come about through some sort of a family connection. Although the last couple weeks, it seemed like the Oklahoma Texas contingent uh, was was making an appearance. But um, you know, the 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 newer Browns fans who came with Baker, which which I love. I think it's great that the uh, the Oklahoma TV market gets the Browns games every week, but but Dayton doesn't always get them. Um, But anyway, so Browns fan from birth. My whole family's up there. Uh, my grandpa it was a season ticket holder from i guess allegedly the late 40s um although i don't think we've ever been able to actually confirm that his his claim was that he got tickets the uh the perfect season they had which was like 14 or 15 and0 back in like 48 or 49 um, but my mom was born in 1950 and he's positive or you know when he was when he was still still with us he was positive that he had tickets before my mom was born um, so my my grandpa had season tickets all growing up. Um, you know, so the
1: the Browns
2: and Browns fandom was always always around us. Um and you know, I think that kind of got passed along to me somewhere along the way. Um earliest earliest memories are, are still painful, scarred memories that I have of black and white TVs and watching uh AFC championship games and in the eighties. So um, you know, I, I still have a, a bit of a, a a reaction hearing John Elway's name in any context. Um, <laughs> I, I even drove past his car dealership out in Colorado once and, and still had the same reaction. So it doesn't even have to be in the scope of football. I, I still react the same way. Uh, <laughs> So, but, but, you know, like I said, it goes, goes all the way back. Um, my, my grandpa passed along his, his lifelong season tickets to my aunt and uncles. Um, and then they kinda, you know, after having for about 15 years, they, they hit rock bottom with, with Brown's fandom and were are ready to give up the seats. Um, so my cousin and I actually took them over, um, you know, a couple years ago, which at the time was, was not. A good decision at all. Um, I think the three and 13 2015 season was was when my aunt and uncle finally threw in the towel. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I talked my cousin into splitting it with me, and you know they they promptly went one and fifteen and then zero and sixteen the first two years we had. So uh, <laughs>
3: woohoo! You know, we yeah,
2: were, <laughs> we we were questioning that choice. Um, we were, you know, but you know I I think the the last couple, the last three years have been some of the most fun football I've seen in my lifetime with, without a doubt. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's, an, it's another crazy Brown season. There's always some, something swirling. Um, it's never a, a smooth, easy one, like some other fan bases seem to have, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing better than, than watching this team and, uh, you know the the pain that occasionally comes along with it, like like last Sunday, for example.
0: Yes, last Sunday, the Browns lost to the Steelers, fifteen to ten. Uh, a, a game that was kind of miserable to watch. I Man, first half it's it's three to three, and you're wondering if it's going to be one of those games where it's a you know a six three game. <laughs> And uh, Pittsburgh ends up winning fifteen to ten. Um, just not just not a good game for the Browns. Pretty much any way you look at it, uh, Browns are now four and four and in, in last place. Which I'm sure every other fan of, of any other team in the AFC North is just whooping it up uh, right now. But
3: uh,
0: you know, rather than than listening to me go on and on about. About this game for a few minutes uh, to get into it. Um, I know Jeff has some thoughts, so so Jeff, I'm I'm going to let you just start this thing off with your rant. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> you know, just when you think that this organization has finally turned the corner, um, to to credibility, to um. A solid foundation and, you know, something to really build on. Here comes the dysfunction again. And we apparently have a bunch of guys who don't like playing together. So, you know, that that's my rant. Um, you know, by week eight of the NFL season, we should have some cohesiveness. We should have some team building. We should have guys that are on the same page. Um, but apparently now we are all, uh, coming up with excuses as to why that hasn't happened. (laughs) And honest to God, I am, I am sick to death of the excuses of why that hasn't happened. Um, there are 53 grown men on this football team that all have responsibilities. And I see about a handful of them that are actually performing at what I would consider to be a professional level. Now, this is not to question their professionalism, which is two completely different things. Okay, um, I know these guys work hard, they practice hard, um, they have work ethic, and they, you know, they they want to do well. But professionalism is when you put the team above yourself, and I have not seen that happen. We talked a little bit after the Cardinals game about how this thing could easily go off the rails, how fragile this franchise is still and how hard it is to, to stay with that winning culture and not slip back into, into a losing mindset. And I said, how important it was to win that game against Denver to reestablish that and, and build on that, That belief that this was, you know, this could be a winning organization. And just when you thought, boy, they had that figured out, um, along comes the Steelers. And the Browns lay the biggest egg in probably two or three years, um, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, uh, where guys just, they just look absolutely out of sync. Um, And you know what? We could go down a laundry list of plays and players. Uh, But the bottom line is, is they, they played like a team that doesn't know what a team is. And it was hard to watch. It was ugly to watch. And I think, you know, this fan base reacted to that um, appropriately because at this point in the year, we should be past all that. We shouldn't be talking about who's open, who's not open, who can throw, who can't throw, blah, 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 blah. Just go out there and play like a damn professional football player and do your job and be competitive. They were not competitive Sunday. And that was an ugly and disappointing thing to watch from this organization. After everything that we've been through in all the reboots, and And finally, getting an organ uh, a leadership in place for this organization that's respected and to see players that that just don't don't seem to get that right now um, is very, very discouraging.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of surprising after what we saw from this team last season and the fact that, we haven't seen really anything in the public eye from guys. So you feel, you kind of feel or felt like things were good behind closed doors at least. So I'm going to leave it at that for now. And uh, Mike, I'm, I want to give you a chance to give some of your takeaways or some of your thoughts on, on that, uh, on that game Sunday.
2: Uh it, it was just a tough one. It was, um, I mean, it, it was blacked out in Dayton, first of all. So I had to hunt down a sports bar to to, to go watch it with the, with a bunch of Bengals fans. Um, thankfully, they didn't have the audio. So I was I was saved from from Tony, Tony Romo's announcing, um, which I'm not a fan of generally. Uh, but I don't think lacking the audio made made the game any better. It was it was it was tough to watch. I feel like, um, you know, I, I think it might have been the first, maybe it was the second drive. But I feel like early they showed a lot of promise. And I was like, all right, this is this is what I saw the last you know two games of, of last season. And then it just fizzled out. It turned into some boring, some boring football for a while. Three to three at the half. You know, the honestly, the first half highlight was was probably the uh, botched uh, fake field goal that the, the Steelers tried and, and, and all that, because it just wasn't much exciting football. And that's, you know, novelty uh-huh. play should not be the exciting part of a half of football. Um, and yeah. then there just there wasn't much, you know, you, you, it felt inevitable at times. The play calling felt predictable. I was having a lot of Freddie Kitchens flashbacks, and I don't want to feel that ever again. Um, those are, you know, some of the traumatic memories from a couple of years ago. Um, and then I feel like, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter, there was a big shift. Right, uh, you know, a couple good plays in a row. Tight end started getting involved. I think Njoku had a couple plays in a row, maybe like two catches out of out of three plays. Yeah. um baker had that great you know crazy uh, you know risking his body which is insane but that great uh first down run where he got all fired up went sprinting down the sideline
0: or where yeah. he obviously got hit late out of bounds and they didn't throw the flag
2: yeah by joe hayden yeah. too thanks joe <laughs> yeah typical
0: uh, uh, typical non-call on the steelers yeah
2: yeah exactly but like i felt like you know maybe they were they were gonna show what what they're capable of and i i felt baker was was trying and the team wasn't there or you know i mean it's not fair to blame them all but you know I, I i think jeff's right there's there's a fair number of players who either just had a bad game or weren't giving it their all um and it just didn't you know this this is not a good pittsburgh team but we made them look a lot better you know that type of a performance against uh you know, a six and zero Arizona team or something like that might be more expected, but against those Steelers, um, that's not that's not what we expected. On paper, there's too much talent for them to be putting that type of a performance on the field, and that's what just really it was, was disappointed. Right? I, I wasn't even yeah. I wasn't even pissed off afterwards. I just kind of walked home disappointed or drove home disappointed and. Uh, my buddy that I was with, the Bengals fan, was you know distraught in a whole different way because of their, <laughs> their collapse at the end. Her
0: game so, wasn't yeah, any better. Yeah,
2: no, it wasn't. He, he literally uttered the words of something to the effect of, "Well, they they're up three scores. There's no way they can lose." And then watched it happen. So I felt I felt bad for him for different reasons, but I was secretly a little happy because it keeps us,
1: you know, <laughs> at least a little,
2: at least a little bit closer, right? Right. what are what are we a uh, game game and a half out and you know it, it makes it manageable, but it's just you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't enjoyable football. it came down to. there's it. It a few bright spots, but it wasn't great.
0: No, I, I agree completely. and you know I, I've seen uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, about the play calling and you know I, I wrote down three things and it's uh, you know the the drops. Which were highly evident uh, from from what I, I was able to find. I think there were uh, um, seven drops, and that's not counting the fumble by Jarvis. So um, seven drops, and Baker was Baker was twenty of thirty one. So you know, if, if those balls are all caught, that's twenty seven for thirty one. So you know, so pretty obvious that, that Baker was doing his job. Um, you know, he was getting the ball to guys, he was throwing, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, throwing catchable balls and, you know, seven drops in in a game is just unacceptable out of the guys. Uh,
1: I I have have a hard time understanding how your entire team forgets how to catch the ball in one week.
0: They are like, like, um, what, uh. Six guys with drops, I think. Five or six different yeah, guys I mean, drop how, balls. How
1: does that happen? How, how I, do I all of those guys forget how to catch the ball? How does Jarvis see, you know, have two drops and a, a fumble? fumble. I, I, I can see one guy or maybe even two guys having a bad game. But how do you have seven different guys who suddenly can't catch the ball? I, I, I don't what, understand what's, it. What's going on below the surface there that that's making it so difficult for these guys to do what they do every day in practice, and have been doing together every day in practice for 12, 14 weeks now. Well, it, it, it was, makes no sense. To you. you can't blame it on the weather. No, it's not like it was okay? raining or snowing or windy or anything. Right. Right. It was. So it was, one
2: theory I saw was velocity—the um, difference between Keenum and Baker—and Case was probably there in practice, you know, at least at least half of the week. And there's just a big speed difference, but I think that's, I think it's a bit of a stretch. These are professionals. They should be able to adapt. Um, yeah. They, they but they case
0: for, for one or two weeks, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. But he, it's a much, I mean, I saw it. I went to the Thursday game and saw it in person and even, even in the crowd, you can just tell it's a slower ball. It, it kind of floats a little bit, but they should be able to oh. adapt. This isn't the first time they've had more than one quarterback in a 10 day span. So, um, I mean, but how many balls? If, if, uh, if you're reaching for an excuse, maybe that's your best your best one. Yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, so, I'm
0: not picking on Jarvis, but how many balls has Jarvis caught from Baker? You know, that shouldn't be a factor now.
1: Go ahead, Joe. We're, we're just, we're just yeah, completely got, giving giving Baker a pass on this.
2: On this game, I mean, I they looked but, catchable. That's that's because thing. let
1: like, let me get let me give you a, an example, okay. Um, fourth quarter, about three minutes left, um, the ball to Odell that everybody's over, over
2: the middle, about the 10 yard yeah.
1: line o- over the middle. They're there. They're at the 39 yard line. It's second and 10. Odell goes up the middle and Baker double clutches, lets the ball fly. And Odell reaches up behind his head with his right arm and it bounces off his hand. Okay. I went back and watched that play six times. Okay. He was open for 15 yards before Baker let that ball go. Baker finally lets the ball go as the DBs are closing in on Odell. Okay. So if that happened in that play, how many other times do you think it happened during the game? Guess what? I went back and found a whole bunch of other times where Baker is late releasing the ball, guys are open, he stares them open, and by the time he throws the ball to them, guys are closing in, and they're just waiting to get their heads handed to them. So, no, I'm not giving Baker a pass on this. Baker's pace in that game was horrible. He was late on throws. He was not anticipating guys' routes. Now, maybe guys are running the wrong routes. I don't know. That I guess that's been an issue too, okay? okay. But he is having a hard time throwing guys open. There's a difference between throwing a guy open and throwing at a guy when he's standing there open.
3: Yeah, I mean,
2: I I would agree. There's there's definitely examples, um, and and a lot of them are Odell, and I and that's a whole other whole other thing to get into
0: um, <laughs> yeah that's a topic in so, look itself. this
1: look this is this is not this is not something that that just happened this week okay we've seen good baker and we've seen bad baker throughout his career okay this is not a you know a question of is he the franchise quarterback or is he entitled to an extension or any of those questions okay the question to me is how does that affect this week's game plan when you have a guy maybe it's because of an injury maybe it's because of where he's at in his head but if you have a guy who has those kinds of of things happening consistently boy it certainly shortens the playbook
2: so you saw him now, last season right i mean you saw the last what was it 10 games of last season where he was a arguably by by the stats top five top seven quarter no
1: no question no question right? one of the top yeah. five quarterbacks in the league at the, in the second half of last year no question
2: this year i don't think we had a chance to see it i think we played a a reeling chiefs team that we didn't know at the time had a horrible defense or that horrible of a defense and then we played the texans and so you've got three halves of football there i think before he got injured if i'm if i'm pulling that from memory right and yep. so i don't think we had a mm-hmm. good sample this year so i i can't sit here and say that it's the injury that's causing all of this because we didn't have enough to to kind of make that basis there but he's not He was definitely post-injury, not playing the way he did last season. Um, I don't know. One of the the shows on the NFL Network had a breakdown of his footwork. And against, uh, I think it was the Arizona game, you know, his footwork was back to the old two seasons ago Baker or early last season where it was just sloppy, out of order, and his throws were flying high. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because he's thinking
0: about the shoulder, probably.
2: Yeah. Yeah. he, I mean well, I'm not
0: making an excuse for him I'm, I'm saying his head is somewhere else So he yeah, probably so maybe, maybe he's, he's probably right, lost that's my point not,
2: not yeah. taking the hit he does just he just doesn't he's he's a little more gun shy he doesn't want to take that hit because understandably it's got to be un, unbelievably painful when he does even if it's a yeah. you know a, a normal football hit not even not even a, a hit that breaks his shoulder again
0: Yeah no matter how tough you are it still hurts like but,
2: hell but I felt like in the Steelers game, I wasn't seeing the same things I had seen earlier in the games post injury. between the first and the second time he hurt his shoulder. Those games, I was seeing a lot of high passes, a lot of uncatchable balls. You know, he, there was one where he, he hit Odell on the butt and, and, you know, just not even in the realm of where he should have been throwing the ball. I saw a lot of that.
0: Game, more, he did seem more accurate, is what you're saying. He was,
2: more, he was more accurate. He was more settled. Now, is he making the right reads? I don't know. I, I haven't gone back yeah. and, um, you know, tried to, to look at some of the, the Twitter footage of the All-22s or anything like that to know if he's just always going for his first read or taking the easy pass or, um, and clearly the, the video that you guys have probably seen posted of all the times Odell's Dells open there are open receivers out there and he might not be getting to them. but maybe he's not the one, the number one read on that play. Right. So we can't assume Odell. Yeah. You, you normally would assume Odell would always be your first receiver, but maybe that's not the way they've been structuring it this year with Odell's injury and Baker's injury. Um, you know, that, that could be a, a faulty assumption on our part, but I, I think last game Baker was different than some of the other Baker versions we saw this season. But I'm also not going to sit here and, and, and say that he's playing anywhere near he the way he did last year. Right? We're not back to that level as, as much as I wish he was.
0: And, and I agree with you on that. And, yeah, I was speaking strictly of his accuracy, and I thought he was pretty accurate through the game. But I'm sure you have a point, Jeff, with his reads. And when he's when he gets the ball to the guy, it does make a difference. But I mean, these yeah. guys are NFL receivers, and you know, maybe you know, maybe you can have some drops when guys are breathing down your neck, but there still shouldn't be seven drops in a game. That that that's still that's still just too many. It's just too many. But there there's so much more with this offense, man. I'm just I'm I'm looking at this, and how did they not get Nick Chubb and 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 uh, Dearness Johnson more involved in this game? The two guys together at 20 carries in a game, and that's it.
2: Pittsburgh sold because, out the run. They they were like, all Yeah, in Pittsburgh had run. had 8 8 and 9
1: guys playing the run. Yeah, they okay. them to throw it. <laughs>
0: yeah, you yeah. know what? Yeah, so uh so um um so Harris for for the for the Steelers. He he yeah. had 91 yards rushing, right?
1: right.
0: You, you know what his average yard, his uh, yards per carry were? 3.5 Three point five, yeah. Nick Chubb's yards per carry was three point eight, and Johnson's were, was was five point five.
1: Pittsburgh. Nick Stunt Chubb had a Nick Chubb had a twenty yard run, Rod. I mean, twenty something yard run um, that really I think affected his average uh, because most of the time he was getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Oh, I know he um, was. I know he yeah, was. Yeah, and 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 that's just a that's a function of how teams are choosing to play defense against us—they know that the Browns are a run-first team, uh, which sets up play action, um, and all you have to do is sell out on the run, uh, as Mike said, and you're going to you're going to put Baker in third and longs. That that's what every team in the league is going to do now. They're going to put us in third and longs, and until we can show that we can beat that, there. <laughs> It's only going to get worse. It's the, the, it's going to get harder and harder to get any kind of yardage out of our running backs. So it's not Nick so, Chubb's fault. So why fault. didn't De'arnest
0: Johnson got four carries? Okay, why didn't he right. get more carries? If they're st- if they're stuffing Chubb, why didn't they they give Dearness Johnson a few carries? That that's what that's what they would do if if Hunt were healthy. If if Chubb's getting stuffed, they're going to say, all right, we'll give you some Kareem for a while and see if you can stop him. Okay. Well, they didn't even do that. The, the, the two guys got twenty carries. They averaged about four yards a pop, and the Browns
1: gave up on the run. Um, Absolutely, they I, gave it, up on the run. Yes. Yeah, we're missing. Because, we're
2: missing Kareem.
1: <laughs> because they were running screens. They were doing delays. They were doing everything they could to beat Pittsburgh's pressure. And unfortunately, when guys don't catch the ball. That doesn't work real well.
2: Half of our completions were to running backs and tight ends, right? So instead of Mm -hmm. running the ball, we're we're throwing it out quick and short, most of those. Um, I I think we just knew Pittsburgh's plan was, and it was successful, but was to stop the run at all costs and dare us to throw with an injured quarterback and and all the passing game issues they know we're dealing with. And it was the right game plan unfortunately
0: yeah i just i just uh i just look at the numbers and i just i just don't understand why they why they didn't try some other things that's just that's that's the way i look at it guys um well you know you lost your
1: right tackle um yeah and apparently conklin's going to be out for an extended time period again um so you have to send some help on that side. Um, you know all of this stuff affects plays that can be called. you know and and I know it's it's um, fun to second guess the coach and the, and the play calling, okay, but um, it really limits what an offense can do when these things all start compounding. And I think what you saw, against the Steelers was, you know, they're, they're a mature defense. They understand what their roles are, and they plug guys in to roles. So when they come up against a, a sort of a one-dimensional offense, they know what they have to do to stop it. You know, it's not that Pittsburgh's a great team. It's just that they're consistent with their approach. And they were able to shut the Browns' offense down as a result, because we don't have the ability to adjust on the fly. We, we can't we can't suddenly come up with a different game plan. OK, we are locked into this offense. This is a, a just like Mike said, this is a running backs and tight end offense. It's it's never going to feature wide receivers. We knew that when Stefanski came here, that, that those guys weren't going to eat. Also-
0: the Browns have enough guys enough guys at the skill positions that, that they should be able to do more than what they did. I, I understand you have a right tackle, who's out. But, you know, it's not like Blake Hance hasn't played in the offensive line this year or anything. You know, and it's not like you can't put somebody over there to help him out a little bit, too. So, um, and and I understand I'm second-guessing the coach here, but the Browns have to score more than 10 points against the Steelers. You know, we, we talked about this last week, you know, and we knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do. We knew they were going to score 15 to 20 points in this game. Yep. You know, and we knew the Browns needed to score more than that. So yep. the Browns defense did what it needed to do. It, it, it was, it was a Browns offense, you know, Browns, uh, you know, Browns defense, special teams even knocked their kicker out, you know, to help them out a little bit. And <laughs> right um. Yeah. Anyway. The, so yeah, I'm just showing my frustration, guys. Um, just the
2: offense little. has our, to find our a punter, way to adjust. Our punter's back to uh, fifty-yard punts again, which is good. Maybe got his uh, career scared into him and and started, you know, started kicking a little for distance after they brought in someone to try out.
1: You know what? I, I'd you know, I'd love to go back to the time period where our punter was our biggest problem.
2: Yeah. I know. Mean, <laughs>
3: I know. But man,
0: he, yeah, he—he, he, I mean, it, it's good to see him kicking well again. I mean, we all knew he knew that he has that ability. So, um, anyways, do you guys, think I mean,
2: defense. Do you think the defense really played great, or do you think they were just playing against a mediocre offense? Or, I think they a did what above. they
0: had to do. I don't think Pittsburgh's offense is. Is very good at all. I mean, I think it's all about stopping Najee Harris. He's he's eighty percent of their offense. That's just what it mm-hmm. is.
2: If if he's in double digits in yards and he's averaging three something a carry, we kind of did stop him. Um, I don't know.
0: They slowed him I, down. I, thought, I mean, they're they're going to try to get him like thirty touches a game. I mean, because they don't they don't have anybody else. I mean, I
1: thought our it, our, uh, our corners had really good games. Um, Greg Newsom played exceptionally well.
2: Yeah. I thought, he did. In, yeah. In,
1: you know, he um, um he had some you know, phenomenal
2: in, tackles. He was he was on right. that game.
3: Oh yeah. In Denzel's
1: yeah. absence, he he really stepped up. Um, you know, the the safeties continue to be just a huge problem on this team. Um, you know, JJ three got knocked out of the game and we saw a lot of um Grant Delpit. Um, it is very obvious to me that, that Grant Delpit is a ways away from being an NFL safety. Um, Ronnie Harrison, let's, you know, just, just get this out of the way. He's probably the biggest bonehead on the team. I want He's Ronnie he
2: Harrison back last year. He was a, he was a different guy. He was, I mean, I don't know.
0: He was less of a bonehead last year. He still had a couple plays last year. But, man, it's like almost every week now he does something stupid.
2: Right.
1: Right. So, you know, Joe Woods wants to play a safety-heavy defense. And he still doesn't have three safeties that he can count on. He doesn't even have two.
0: No. No. And and... um... Yeah, I'm forgetting the uh, – I'm forgetting our rookie safety's name, um, who who is uh, always on the inactive list now because he's –
3: Oh, uh,
0: he, LeCount? Uh, LeCount, yeah. Richard he's, LeCount? Richard LeCount apparently can't make it to meetings mistaken. and stuff on time. <laughs> yeah,
3: so you think you've got something house. in him,
0: and he can't get his butt into meetings, you know, right. even to, to make it onto the active list. So um, – right. So, yeah, he needs to get his crap together, and maybe he could play and help out a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think you're right about uh, Delpit. You know, I I still like to think the Browns have something in Grant Delpit, but, um, you know, I mean, he flashes now and then, but I think you're right. I mean, we see him, uh, you know, we see him, (laughs) you know, missing tackles and and just being in the wrong spot and stuff. So so I think he's – He's got stuff to learn, definitely. I'll
2: give him a little more slack than uh, Harrison, though. So, I mean, oh, Delpit's functionally yeah. a rookie. He's he's seven, eight games into his career. He lost all last yeah. season. I, at least there's an explanation. Harrison's got a couple years under him. Um, you know, right. like, what, four he, at this point?
0: Yeah, he shouldn't he be should,
2: making should be stupid active. plays. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Stupid plays and stupid penalties and getting confused on coverage too often. Um, and he, yeah. it seems like he's confusing the corners sometimes, too. Like, I, 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 I watched, uh, it wasn't the last game, but it was one of the earlier games. And his out-of-positionness, if that's a word, seems to be causing the corners to freak out and not know what to do. At least Greedy seemed to be doing that a couple times. Ah. And, and yeah. you know, I think it's, it's you know, it, we don't need more of that back there because the corners are a little up and down as well. I mean, you've got you got greedy. Who always seems? I, I've been impressed with him this year, but he always seems to be a yard and a half beyond the first down marker, um, and and he needs to just you know needs to move five feet farther in because he's given them that yardage every single time. And right. I can't I can't reconcile that that's by design. That's just you know I don't I don't know what he's doing back there. He's but he slightly like he's out of always, position, and it, he doesn't look slow, so I don't think he's just late breaking on the ball. He's in position, but just he's ninety percent in position. He's just not good enough mm-hmm. to quite get there each time. But that's fixable, right? Like I, I feel like that's something they can start to reel in. Delpit's got the potential still. Harrison frustrates just because he's, you know, fourth, fifth year in the league. He he should not be making these mistakes that I keep saying.
1: I think you nailed yeah. it, Rod, that that, you know, this defense has been adequate. But <laughs> far below what it's capable of
0: oh yeah yeah um to only only two sacks of ben um i you know i don't know about you guys i was hoping for a lot more than that um <laughs> of course he was getting rid of the ball fast so you got to give him credit they i mean they they knew what they were up against and they came in with a plan to to get rid of the ball really fast you know um and and it worked. He, he was able to get rid of it before he felt the pressure most times, even though he, he took quite a few hits, which was good. Um but uh but yeah, only two sacks. Miles picked up one. Um I don't know, guys. I just I I just I look at the drops and what you're talking about on defense with, with guys like, like Harrison and you know, and maybe maybe Delpit, you know, maybe they're playing a little bit out of position, maybe screwing other guys up. And and then people are talking, and you guys even, um, um, you know, Mike Mike mentioned the, the play calling and flashes of Freddie Kitchen, Freddie Kitchen's. Um, people talked and talked about Stefanski dropping the play calling, and I'm thinking, I don't know if that if it's the play calling or if it's the combination of the penalties and the execution by the players. You know, or if it's really all three things at this point. So, you know, the penalties are horrible. And the Browns are, I don't know if they're number one in the league or top five right now. I, you know, I don't number even know one if in I really want to know. Number, one num- number
1: one in the league. That's number one in the league. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I was top- going to
2: say my, my Freddie flashbacks were probably just me reading too much into it and a little bit of PTSD. But that, w- that was kind of the trademark of his year um, was – just the sheer number of dumb penalties. So, so maybe there's more there. I don't know if it's wow. a play calling fault, but there's there's a discipline issue if they're making these dumb penalties. Yeah,
0: I mean, it just I think I think uh, I think drops. I think being out of possession on defense. I think penalties. That, that's all discipline. And you, just, I just think back to last season, and this was a seemed to be a fairly disciplined team. I think the penalties last season. Well, I know they were better than they are now, but they were down compared to the prior season. So, I I still don't know where the Browns ranked last season though. I know that I know that we saw an improvement, I don't know if they were great or not in penalties. I think they I think they kind of improved throughout the season on penalties last year. Um that's certainly not happening right now, but the play calling, you know, I think Stefanski's probably a little handcuffed um you know like you said jeff based on based on the personnel that's available mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so you know i don't know if if we if if all of a sudden saying oh we need to take the play calling away from stefanski if that's going to really fix anything or not especially when <laughs> you know when guys are gonna when guys are are uh, you know committing penalty after penalty you know it, how, how many plays do you have for third and 15 you know
1: no taking, matter who's taking calling. play calling away from the head coach and giving it to the O.C. is is the, the equivalent of wanting to play the backup quarterback. That's, yeah. that's the coaching equivalent of wanting the backup quarterback in, because we're saying the guy that's doing it sucks. So his backup's got to be better. Right. Right. And that's ridiculous. I mean, it was, was the play calling bad <laughs> last season? No, the guy was freaking coach of the year. so so i he didn't suddenly get stupid this year
0: i don't think it's a play calling i think it's the situations, the personnel and i think what they really need to fix are the penalties and and the the overall discipline you know and just getting guys in the right places and just uh, whatever whatever the hell else is going on and and you know with Uh, the
1: team other teams adjust it's it's a league of adjustments. We've said it many times. They adjust to what you're doing. Our hands are tied to the extent that it's almost impossible for us to adjust offensively right now. And that's putting us in a real tough position in terms of trying to score points.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hope they're working through some things. You got some talented guys on this team that, that um, you know, that can really do some things, and they're just not able to. I mean, to to see Nick Chubb only rush for 61 yards because you can't, because you can't, you know, um, make the defense be honest, you know, against the pass. Um, right. It's, just, yep. it, it's, it's rough. That's rough, yep. and it's not just Nick Chubb. It's Dearness Johnson you know, and then it's not uh, there, the
1: hole's not there. It doesn't matter who gets the rock.
0: Right. Right. But, um, I mean, the, the Browns, I think they have to remember who they are and they're, they're, they're a running team, but, but you have to do things to, to establish that run. So, um, you know, and to keep the other team honest. So I think that's how they're going to have to play, uh, you know, this coming week. And, um, You know, the the schedule, especially when you're 4-4, and it never gets any easier. I don't really care who they play the rest of the season, guys. There's not going to be any more easy wins. They
1: Um, have the second-hardest schedule remaining in the league right now behind KC. Behind KC? Yep.
0: Kansas City has the hardest schedule.
1: We have the second-hardest right
0: now. I'm not surprised. Um, I'll I'll tell you who probably has the third-hardest is Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, Pittsburgh probably doesn't sound hard, but they play – I think they go to KC and stuff too. So, yep. of course, knowing them, they'll probably lose to Detroit, but they'll beat Kansas City or something. So, um, <laughs> anyways, that's how, this, how the Steelers roll. So, Right. So, anyhow, guys, um, w- let's talk about this game with the Bengals uh, for a little bit. The Bengals lose to the Jets. And, and Mike, you were talking about this because your friend was watching this game. And you probably saw a good part of it. I was – I was also watching a Browns game out at a, a local establishment, but my back was to the Bengals' screen, so I really didn't get to see it. But friends I were watching it with um, was kind of kind of giving me a little play-by-play, and he's like, oh, man, the Jets scored again. Oh, boy, the Jets scored again.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I might he just got to kidding. see
2: the disappointment on his face. He couldn't uh, see the cause.
0: <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the Bengals, I dropped the Bengals, to I think, I guess they're five and three so so they're they're two and two in their last four four games with um wins against the lions an impressive win against the ravens but they've lost to the jets and the packers you know and then they had wins against before that against the the jags and the steelers and the vikings um with a not so good loss i guess to the bears too in there so so take all those for what you will. I mean, the, the schedule, you know, teams, teams certainly change throughout the course of the season. So, um, the Bengals are pretty, uh, seem to be pretty formidable offensively. So, question is, how many points are they going to score against the Browns? And, you know, do the Browns have any hope of keeping up with, you know, how many points of the Bengals are going to score? Because, uh Bengals offense looks pretty good I think no matter who they play against it's a matter of uh you know what the Browns can put together um cuz the Bengals defense has been giving up points too so um you know Joe, Joe Burrow's thrown <laughs> he's thrown 20 touchdown passes already guys um but he, he's also thrown nine interceptions um he's been sacked 20 times um Joe Mixon's run for 572 yards, um, five touchdowns. Um, Jamar Chase, um, for a guy who couldn't catch a ball in the preseason, he's got 786 yards receiving already. <laughs> he's going to be um, maybe setting some records this year. Seven, seven touchdown uh, receptions, and then the Bengals have um, have some other nice receivers too. So, um, uh, Hendrickson's got seven and a half sacks, and then. Uh, their uh, linebacker, Logan Wilson's got 72 total tackles, four interceptions and a sack. So a couple guys on defense, but you know, it's more, more their offense that we're kind of worried about than their defense. Uh, Bengals have, uh, the Bengals have 142 first downs on the season, but they've given up 170. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll quit boring you guys with all the stats. on so, uh, so, Jeff, I'll let you lead off on this. What do you see in this Bengals game? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody's feeling real good about the Browns right now. I didn't even look up a line on this game either. So um, I could do that um,
1: later. What, what I saw was the Browns are getting two and a half. Okay. Um, and the over-under is 47 and a half. Um, kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, forty-seven and uh, a half. I think they're they're figuring that most of that's going to come from the Bengals. <laughs> so, the uh, Bengals are a two and a half point favorite. Okay, right. I mean, they
2: they're, yeah. they're basically saying we got three touchdowns in us, which you know after the yeah. last couple couple games, yeah, I don't I, think so. I'd almost take that. Yeah,
1: um, I, I think this is probably the week that our coach decides to finally run the damn kicker out there. Um, hopefully he's take any
0: points he can get. Yeah,
1: hopefully he's learned his lesson on fourth down because, that to me, that's the takeaway from the Pittsburgh game is that um, in the first quarter, we were at about the 40-yard line and when we went for it on fourth down. Um, now, that would have been a long kick, but um, our kickers made some long ones this year. Um, if we just position ourselves for a field goal, take the field goal there, in the fourth quarter when we're down on the 20-yard line and, and can't – get out of our own way if we once again kick the field goal we win by one point or at least have a chance to win by one point so you know i, I understand that he wants to have confidence in his offense and be aggressive and go for it on fourth down but i think it's time to to say enough with you know the the turning the ball over on downs and just take the damn points um, particularly against a bengals team that's going to score they they are just going to score on us Um, I think we'll be lucky to hold the Bengals to, to four touchdowns. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and you know, yeah, I think, I think we're going to kick some field goals. Um, you want my prediction? Yeah, we'll hold off on that for a little bit. All right. For a few minutes. Well, here's, here's the stat that really matters to me. Um, the Bengals have been penalized 35 times for 307 yards. We've been penalized 54 times for 518 yards. The Bengals were supposed to be the cellar dwellers this year. They were supposed to be the young team making all the mistakes. We were supposed to be the great roster. Okay? If we don't get our shit together this week, we're going to get an ass-whipping.
0: I I agree with you. I agree with you there. Um, Yeah. 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 I mean, the Browns have been hurting themselves with penalties. I mean, I I could go on about how how they've been screwed on a lot of penalties this year, and they have. But I mean, they've they've had way too many self-inflicted wounds, um, and they've got to clean that up. So anyway, so um, so Mike, you had a chance to scout the Bengals a little <laughs> bit. So um, a little bit. So what what do you see in this game?
2: I mean. I, I honestly, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm hoping there's a bit of a redemption game for for Cleveland in there. Um, you know, I I live in in southwestern Ohio now, like like you do, Rad, and
1: um,
2: you know, I can't I can't hate the Bengals like I do others in our conference. I think Pittsburgh and and Baltimore have a special place in know, you know in my heart, um, and it, it's not a friendly place and. But with the, it's with not the bowels, really in your
1: heart, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not really in my heart either, <laughs> but you
1: know. Um and, More in your bowels, and, yeah. Yeah,
2: and I don't, I don't try to hide it either. My, you know, I, my my kids will ask me sometimes, you know, who do you root for when when the Ravens and and the Steelers play each other, and I, I can rack and stack them, and you know, I hate the Ravens more than more than anyone, but the Steelers are pretty close. Um, but the rivalry with the Bengals, I enjoy. Like, I can't actually hate them. I, I, I told you guys I was born in Cleveland, but um, when I was about 10, my parents moved to Athens, Ohio. So, Joe Burrow went to my high school, by far the most famous athlete to ever go to my high school. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, and, and for a very long time, I was still holding on to the fact that the Browns had a more recent playoff victory um, than the Bengals did. And, and last year, you know, re- reset our clock, so it's still true. But you know, for a long time, I still had that to hold over Bengals fans, even during the, the darkest years of the last couple of decades. Um, And, and, you know, my wife's from, from this area, so she's a a Bengals fan. I haven't fully converted her yet. Um, All that said, like, I don't know. I mean, I think Burrow's a phenomenal quarterback. I'm, I'm a huge Baker fan with lots of Baker biases that I fully admit. Um, I wanted him before, you know, before the draft. So you know, I've got a lot of sunk costs in 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 wanting Baker to succeed. Burrow's a fantastic quarterback, and I see a ton of upside there. And since he's lucky to have him, um, mm-hmm. but I also see that uh, Chase has been bailing him out on a lot of passes. He's, you know, he's had I forget the stat. You throw out like what eight or nine uh, interceptions, but nine, he's yeah. had a, he, he's had a lot more turnover worthy ball that turned into touchdowns, right? He's yeah. got a good receiver or two that are saving him on some really risky, really risky throws. Um, you know, similar to, to what we saw from Baker a couple of years ago when he was still allowed to, to be a bit of a gunslinger
1: mm-hmm. and
2: was, you know, throwing touchdowns and interceptions at almost the same clip. Um, you know, if his receivers aren't there to bail him out, I think it becomes an ugly game for Joe because he's still going to be throwing them there. And if they're not having a good day and they're not pulling those in our defense, hopefully could start to feast. Although I am not going to say that with confidence because we haven't done it all season. Um, I think we've had like four takeaways, five takeaways this year, or something like that, which is just insane. It eight games seems like it's been season. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Arizona had like four or five fumbles. They just kept recovering their own fumbles. Like we're just right. we're not coming up right. with the ball. It's, it's it's bad so i'm not i'm not confident our secretary is gonna go back and play center field all day um but if if the receivers aren't having a great game that's where i think they, they run into trouble and you look at their record this season and it's weird right like the chicago game they, they played a great game against baltimore i i don't know what it tells i don't know what games like that tell me about cincinnati or baltimore i don't know if it is that that they're overrated and they're kind of getting lucky on some of these and and that's just the way nfl football works sometimes it's just strange right cincinnati is i thought at the beginning of the year still a couple a year or two away a couple of draft picks and maybe a, a free agent or, or two away from putting it all together and somehow mm-hmm. they're doing it this year they, they're not hit, they're not having penalties they're not getting any injuries mm-hmm. And somehow they're pulling these games off, but then explain how they're losing to horrible teams. I, it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> I'm also having a hard time figuring out why Vegas thinks that there's going to be whatever forty some points in this game. So um, <laughs> I, I hope yeah. that's the case, right? Uh, like I would, I would like to see a, a, a game where we score three or four touchdowns and and they score two or three. I'd be, I'd be very happy with that. Um, I, I feel like Jarvis might have a little bit of redemption in him because the, the, the drops in the fumble just aren't characteristic for him. No, um, no, you know, at all. The, he, he had a bunch of targets last game and he's got his limitations, but he plays within those limitations and, and, and that was just not normal him. And I know it has gotta be kind of eating him up inside. So, he, he's, he seems to fuel off of that in past games when he has an off game. And so I'm hoping he comes out and is just like lit on fire um, and we get a big game out of him. Because I think, you know, last last couple of games or last game at least, he was our number one receiver target wise. So if he gets hot, we get hot. And if we get hot on, on, on the offense with our receivers, that's going to open up the running game. And that's how we score, you know, three, four touchdowns
0: yeah yeah good stuff good stuff definitely yeah uh burrow's taking 20 sacks this season too so i mean that that's probably a pretty average number um like i'm not sure i can't i think baker's taking more than that i think he's mid 20s in that area i don't have that number right in front of me but anyways um the brown the uh, browns defensive line will have their their chances to get to burrow too um but yeah, I, I'm with you guys. This is, it's going to be a tough game. I think the Browns are going to have to score some points in this game, and um, uh, the DBs are going to have to—they're going to have to play—they're going to have to play really well in this game. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, what you're saying, Mike, uh, comes to fruition with some maybe some turnovers. Uh, that that would be pretty big. I mean, the Bengals are minus one in turnover ratio, so. Um, not that that means they turn the ball over a ton, but it means that, uh, you know, at least at least um, their defense probably doesn't create a lot of turnovers either. So it um, gives the Browns a good chance to hopefully win a turnover battle. So, um, I, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, just like you, might I, I feel the same way about the Bengals, Mike. I mean, you know, it's not like they're my second favorite team or anything, but, you know, living down here and, and really – not liking the Ravens or the Steelers, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are Bengals fans, so it, it's kind of hard to to really hate a team that, that, you know, that you have a lot of friends that, that follow that team. So, um, you know, for me, it, it it it's better if the Browns and the Bengals are, you know, fighting it out in this division versus the other two teams. So, um, you know. That's better for me. Um, we'll see if it ever happens. So, <laughs> anyways, guys, let's uh, let's move on with uh, with some predictions. And I got to tell you, I have no idea how I'm going in this game yet. Um, Jeff, you you had something ready, so I'm going to let you go first.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree that the the Bengals aren't necessarily a finished product. They're, they probably are still a couple of years away. I think they're probably overachieving this year a little bit. Um, but this week, they're catching the Browns in an absolute mess. And coming off that loss to the Jets, I think that was sort of a trap game for them, um, where they you know may have had a little bit of a letdown at the end. They may learn from that. They may not. But I'm thinking they're probably going to come ready for this game. Um, our defense is going to play well against Joe Burrow, but I still think our, our field goal offense, which is what I expect to see this week, is our, our return to our field goal offense, um, is not going to be able to keep the ball away from Cincinnati enough to keep them from putting some touchdowns on the board. Um, I do think our defense is going to get a pick six though. So I think, I think we'll get a touchdown from the defense and three field goals. And I think the Browns are going to score 16 and that would probably be, you know, based on where this offense is at right now, that would probably be a, a pretty accomplished week for them. Um, the Bengals are probably, and I'm, I'm going to use this number because I swore off ever taking the under again, um, even though the last two games have been unders. Um, so they I'm going to say the the Bengals are going <laughs> to score four touchdowns and two field goals, 34, which is going to get me to a total of 50. I'm going to take the over again because I, I, I swore I'd never take the under again. So 34-16 so Bengals.
0: That's, that's kind of a butt whooping, Jeff.
1: That's what I promised you.
2: What was the over under 42,
0: um, uh,
2: 47 and a 47
0: half, is what seven and a half. He's got him. He's got a, he's got a total of 50. So, mm-hmm. so Mike, I'm going to let you go next. And I'm, I'm still yeah. debating on this. I'm struggling.
2: I mean, I'm kind of in the same range. I, I think we're, I'm good with going over, um, I don't think it's going to be under, and, and Vegas is usually pretty good. That's how they that's how they make their money. But um, I had 24-30 Cleveland, and part of that's just blind, blind optimism, so I'll, I'll admit that. Um, I'm thinking maybe uh, 26-24 Cleveland. I think it's going to be close enough that it's coming down to the final possession, And so, you know, at at a minimum, my prediction is that, you know, it's going to be a two- or three-point separation, something that a field goal could decide at the end. Um, Yeah, 26-24 Cleveland, that's what I'm going with.
0: So you've also got 50 points being scored, taking the over and taking the Browns. You know, I – I got to be honest, guys. I just don't. I just don't really have a good feeling about this game and about the Cincinnati offense and, and the Browns' ability to shut it completely down. And while I think the Browns' offense is going to improve, I just don't feel like it's going to be enough this week. And as Jeff has said many times, I hope I'm wrong. You know, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm going to take the Bengals this week and. I'm going to take the Bengals, um, well, I don't want to take the same score as Jeff, and I'm almost writing the same thing down, (laughs) darn it, um, I'm going to take the Bengals, uh, 31 to 21. So I think the Browns offense actually steps it up a bit. Um, you know, maybe, maybe one of the touchdowns is by the defense. Um, but, uh, this is history, guys. I've never taken the, the opposition on the podcast. So I just well, i just think the know, Browns are going to have a, huff, a rough time. Something.
1: When we pick, it's not that we're rooting against the Browns when we pick oh, no. against them.
3: No,
0: we I'm always root
1: for them. the Browns, but some weeks we just think a game is going to be damn hard to win, and we pick against them. It's not hey, the same I as tell you, against I, them. I, if
0: I would feel, I would probably feel better about this game if if the Bengals had beat the Jets. Strangely, yeah, enough. I agree. No, I agree. Yeah,
2: it sadly, makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the Bengals are going to be ready to 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 just light it up this week. So I think you know if the if the Browns can hold the Bengals to to thirty one or thirty four, you know, <laughs> um, you know. that's probably going to be doing a pretty good job this week on, on the defense. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be lighting it up. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't think the offense is is ready to keep pace in that kind of a game yet. I just don't. So um, I think if the Browns do win this game, it's going to be because of the defense. I think it will be because the defense steps up and maybe gets a couple of takeaways. um, You know, Uh, You know, maybe a strip sack, you know, things like this that that just kind of turn the game around, you know, and and somehow the Browns win a lower scoring game. I don't think the Browns are going to win this game 35 to 32 or anything. If they win it, it'll be something, you know, it'll be closer to what Mike says or maybe even lower. So those kind of my thoughts, guys. (laughs)
2: Yeah, the, the lowest the Bengals have scored this season are, is twenty-two against the Packers.
3: Twenty-two.
2: Okay. I, I just looked it up while you were going through it because I was kind of surprised they haven't they haven't laid an egg yet. So um, yeah,
3: yeah, and uh, I mean, they're good.
2: They're good for at least three touchdowns, but they also weren't lightened. I mean, thirty-four against the Lions, twenty-four against the Jags. Uh, you know, it, it,
0: they're pretty consistent uh, in the twenties to to low thirties. 41 against the
2: ravens though like that that's the well hour. that just that one still blows my yeah mind. Blows yeah my that mind. they
0: just kind of took that game over which you know which just happens in some games so um anyway good good stuff guys um we'll, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens in the game um obviously we're all rooting for the browns and we hope uh we really hope that they you know this could be the game that kind of turns things around and you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we we see a different team out there from the team that we saw against Pittsburgh last Sunday. So, uh, so Mike, we appreciate you uh, taking some time and talking with us. Um, how about some closing thoughts or words of wisdom for us?
2: Um, I mean, well, you know, first of all, thank you for having me on. This was, this was a blast. Uh, any, any time I'd, I'd be happy to to talk football with anybody that'll listen to me, especially Browns football Um, closing, closing thoughts. I'll just, I'll just say like, we're, you know, we're a four and four football team who's a game game and a half out of first in our division. If, if we pull it together two or three weeks from now, this is a totally different conversation. And, you know, I, I, I just think back to some of the more recent horrible, you know, bottom dwelling teams that were struggling to win two or three i, I want to get back to where i enjoy watching the games because last week wasn't fun but this is you know we're, we're not this isn't the old browns we're not to that level yet there's a little bit of dysfunction swirling around the team but we're not we're not to the to the way that we we used to be accustomed to so you know just enjoy watching these games if, if you can um, i'm gonna do my best and try not to uh to mope on sunday if it's a negative outcome
0: that's right that's right and i didn't <laughs> give your your twitter handle earlier it's it's at mike pistone m-i-k-e-p-i-s-t-o-n-e it is um, you guys yeah give uh, you guys can give him a follow there uh jeff closing words for us
1: well I, I want to apologize to mike because he caught me on sort of a riled up week um, i like about- it I'm not I'm not normally like this, Mike, but uh, we let him talk quite a bit, though. I did. Yeah. More, more than usual. Uh, um, yeah, hopefully we can get this turned around and start having fun again next week. But, um, you know, we're, we're in the in the part of our schedule where we're supposed to be getting some wins um, and they're just they're, they're feeling tougher every week. Um, hey. But, um, you know, four, four more games until the bye. And, uh, boy, it feels right now like it can't get here soon enough. Um, yeah, really. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're, we're wrong on this one, Rod. And, and uh, the offense puts it together. We, you know, we, we make some adjustments and put some points up like we expected this team to early in the year. Uh, boy, I just wish I felt better about that right now. We'll see.
2: Yeah, me we go too. Three and one, three and one into the bye, and it's a, it's a different season. If it's two and two, then then that's not a good outlook. That, that's these, right. These next four could not matter any 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 more.
0: Well, we'll pull for uh we'll pull for three and one, Mike. <laughs> now, yeah. This has been <laughs> this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.